Gracious God, we ask that you would speak to us today, that you would encourage us and challenge us and continue to remind us who you have called us to be, continue to remind us what you've called us to do, and continue to remind us of who you are. Lord, we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Uh, Thomas Ogletree, a former dean of Yale Divinity School, put it this way, to offer hospitality to a stranger is to welcome something new, unfamiliar, and unknown. Strangers have stories to tell which we have never heard before, stories which can redirect our seeing and stimulate our imaginations. The stories invite us to view the world from a novel perspective. The sharing of stories may prove threatening, but not necessarily so. It may generate a a festive mood, a joy in celebrating the meeting of minds across social and cultural differences. The stranger does not simply challenge or subvert our assumed world of meaning. She may enrich and transform that world. In other words, there's something about inviting the stranger into our lives that has the potential to open our world up and help us to see things that we haven't ever seen before. Frankly, as we look toward Thanksgiving this coming week, this may be something that you've even experienced in the past. For whatever reason, there was that one year at Thanksgiving when you opened the doors a little wider. You invited some strangers in, someone not normal, into your Thanksgiving. And instead of making it worse, something about these extra people made it different, made it better. They brought new food. They told new stories. They brought new perspectives. But whatever the case, things were better because they, these strangers, were there. And that's not to say that strangers can't be obnoxious or annoying or even dangerous, because of course they can. But let's also recognize that with the exception of family, all of our favorite people started out one day as strangers. And therefore, what if there are some benefits to showing hospitality, welcoming the stranger? What if this is also how we are changed for the better? John Tyson writes, it's interesting, in the book, The Divine Commodity, Sky Jathani noted, the English word hospitality originates from the same Latin root as the word hospital. A hospital is literally a home for strangers. Of course, it has, become, it has come to mean a place of healing, but there is a link between being welcomed and being healed. Jathani continues, our home, and I would add our lives, are to be hospitals, refuges of healing radiating the light of heaven. There's something about hospitality that is healing for both the host and the guest. And notice what we're talking about when we talk about hospitality, because this isn't about just inviting friends over for dinner. That's fellowship. That's community. That's fun. That's wonderful. 
But hospitality is fundamentally different because this is about inviting strangers in, in the hopes that they one day become friends. While we think about that, let me tell you about where we've been and where we're heading. Today, we come to the end of the final sermon of the final part of this long fall series. And in this part, we've been zooming out a little bit and trying to understand how everything we've been learning about strangers applies to us more broadly as Christians and as a church. Because it's one thing to be kind to and welcoming of the stranger, but all of this takes on a new and higher meaning as we connect this to what God is trying to do in us and in our world through us. Because, of course, God may be doing something bigger than we at first expect when He calls us to love the stranger. And so, in this final part, we are trying to figure out the relationship between us and the stranger in light of God giving us a, a better household, a different household, a, a different homeland, a different kingdom. And like last week, we're going to begin briefly in Hebrews 13, just to reset the stage again. This is Hebrews 13, 2, and it says, Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I wonder how that might change our perspective, how that change of perspective may then in turn change our view of and treatment of the stranger. What if we first saw strangers as potential angels instead of potential problems? What if that was our first instinct? That might be an angel, not, oh no, here comes a stranger. What if our, our first instinct was to extend hospitality? instead of worrying about all the potential issues and, and threats? What if first we could love, instead of assuming that they can take care of themselves? In other words, what would happen and how would we be changed if we were a people of hospitality? We've talked about it for the past two weeks, but that hospitality from the Greek now, earlier it was the Latin, now it's the Greek, philo xenia. The philo is, is brotherly love and xenos is stranger. So hospitality is quite literally the love of the stranger, care for the stranger. But if we became a people like that, it would create something new. It would build a new kind of community. It would transform and expand our world. So as we think about all of that, showing love to the stranger because we've been the stranger, let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. While you're turning there, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, I want to begin by reading just the first verse of the first part of the book before we fast forward to verse 13. The book begins, it's a letter, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles, scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Peter's perspective, as he starts this book, as he writes to Christians, is he calls them God's elect and exiles. They are chosen sojourners. 
They are select strangers, which is a weird paradox to begin a letter with. Because, of course, our instincts tell us that if God has chosen us, picked us, then He's also kept us. But as we will continue to see, maybe God has picked us and then sent us out to be on mission. His strangers sent here. So we are God's elect and exiles, chosen strangers. That's the perspective. So we can pick up reading now in verse 13. 1 Peter first, chapter 1, 13, verse chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the Word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the Scriptures it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. 
Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Amen. All throughout this passage, we see that Peter sees the church in general and Christians in particular as strangers, as foreigners, as exiles in the world, and yet not of the world. In other words, for Peter, he sees us as something outside of what is normal. He sees us as distinct, separate, set apart. He sees us as special and yet also, therefore, as strangers. And therefore, the continual question becomes, how will we live out our lives and our faith if we don't totally belong to the culture or even the community in which we find ourselves? If the goal is to not assimilate, and yet we all want to belong, what do we do? You see, when we feel like strangers, our instincts tell us to either become like everyone else or at least find some more like-minded folks and become more like them so that you're not a stranger anymore, so that you can find a place to belong because strangers are vulnerable. And we don't like that. And yet maybe that's not all bad. Because our vulnerability also makes us more alert to and aware of the people around us. If you think of the times that you have felt like a stranger, you were probably hyper-aware of everything that was going on around you. And it changes us. And that's not to say that it's easy to be a stranger. It's not easy when we don't belong. And frankly, for these first Christians, this literally had life and death consequences. But maybe it is that important. Maybe God made us to be different, chosen and yet sent as strangers in hopes that we might point others towards God, not for us, but for their good. Which is why Peter encourages these early Christians to be holy be changed. And so as we go back through this passage and we dig in a little bit deeper, I want us to recognize that Peter's main call for us as Christians is to be holy, which may also mean we are called to be strangers. And as we explore that idea of holiness, I want us to see how it actually brings us back toward mission and back toward worship, which may, in an interesting way, bring us all the way back to hospitality as we put a nice little bow on this big series. But it begins with holiness, because this seems to be the message all throughout the passage. Be holy because God is holy. Now, that tends to be a very churchy word. I'll add it sounds a little old-fashioned, too. And so maybe it's helpful to just start with a definition. I would define holiness as as being set apart for a godly purpose. The first part of that's easy enough to understand because we will often set apart something because it's special. We keep things like that separate because they are important or valuable or unique. And interestingly, even just that act of setting something apart makes it 
more special. If you have a bunch of something and you take one of them and you put them aside and put it in a special place, that one innately becomes more special. You've moved it and made it separate. As we come to Thanksgiving, we may have some special dishes or tools or keepsakes that we use for this particular occasion. And therefore, they don't go with all the other stuff. We set them apart. We keep them separate because they have a special purpose. They have a special meaning. They take on a special value. Part of holiness is simply setting something apart. But then that other part of holiness is also being designated to or for God. It's something that points us towards or brings us back toward God. This is holy, and thus somehow it brings our focus back toward God. And this is what Peter calls us to. This is what Peter says about us. We are to be set apart for a godly purpose. We are chosen, and yet not innately because of something in us, but because of the one who chooses. We live differently as a way to bring God's blessings to people and point them back to God. Part of our call to holiness is so that we might be the ones who point people toward God. Interestingly, if we are set apart, that sounds a lot like being a stranger, not quite fitting in, being a little bit different, being separate intentionally for God, so that we can live out our mission, so that we can worship, even through our hospitality. Maybe this is what Peter is getting at when he calls us to be holy. And so I want to hit those themes briefly as we wrap this series up. We begin with this idea that, uh, that we've kept coming back to, this idea of mission, that we have been sent into the world to do God's work. And in the process, God has made us strangers here so that we could be faithful to there. We talked about that a lot last week. God placed us here so that we might do good, so that we might partner with Him in what He is already at work doing, that we might help bring His kingdom come. In many ways, we are God's advance team, a group of special forces on mission to bring more grace and more forgiveness and more compassion and more healing as we revolutionize this place, making it more like the place God wants it to be, with hope and with faith and with love. And God's strategy for this is that He took a bunch of outsiders, He made them insiders, and then he sent them back outside to be different, to give hope and help, to become something more and better, to point people back toward God in the hopes that we might be transformed and that others might in turn be invited in. He took outsiders, he made them insiders, then he sent them back outside so that others might be brought back in. And this is why being holy is so important, because we're not supposed to be like everyone else. 
We're working on a different mission. We have a different purpose. We live in a different kingdom. Because God made us strangers to further His good news, to bring others in, to live out our holiness and our hospitality. Amos Young has argued that the Christian mission is nothing more or less than our participation in the hospitality of God. By this, Young means that God's mission embodies the hospitality of God such that God sends His Son as a stranger to reconcile enemies and strangers to Himself. As a result, Christians embody this divine hospitality that loves strangers, even to the point of giving up our lives on behalf of others as to be reconciled to them, that they might in turn be reconciled to God. This is our mission. This is what we do. This is how we partner with God, by bringing people, reconciling people back toward God. This is what holiness is. But it only works if we live differently, if we are slightly separate, if we are set apart for a godly purpose, which may be why God has made us strangers. But that's not all, because God didn't just make us separate. He also did it so that we'd point people back toward God in worship. In fact, this passage describes a strange result of us living out our mission. We are told that we have been made different, brought together, and chosen so that we may declare the praises of Him who has called us. In fact, as I read this passage, the reason we've been made into a chosen people and a royal priesthood and a holy nation is so we could live in such a way as to bring more praise to God. It's not just about us. It's all about Him. And of course, that's not just us praising God. It also becomes evident in others praising God because of us, which we're not as good at. Something about how we are supposed to be living is such a blessing to others, to strangers, that they start praising God because of how we are living. Toward the end of the passage, we are told to live such good lives that they glorify God which is kind of a, the next level up, isn't it? Uh, many people try and live a good life, but not such that others then praise God because of their good life. I mean, you do some good deeds every once in a while, you're, you're already a cut above. But Peter's metric here is he wants us living such good lives that others are worshiping God simply because we're around which is a whole nother level. And this is kind of amazing. Basically, what Peter is saying is that the way we act and behave should be such that God's goodness and love and grace shines forth through us so much that God is then worshiped. We live this holiness out because of what God has done in us and for us and through us. But then the way we live that out through our good works, actually points people back toward God in worship. Which brings us all the way back to holiness again. Because our lives are set apart on mission so that we can point people back toward God in 
worship. That's holiness set apart for a godly purpose, which continues this call for us to live a different way of life. Strangers here. It reminds us we're part of His kingdom, so we know that we already belong. And yet we've been sent back here on mission to point people back toward God, reminding us that it's up to us to invite people back in. Which brings us to one final thought as we start to wrap this up. Because maybe we live a lot of this out simply by becoming a people of hospitality. Even while we have been sent out as strangers, this helps us to be a people who invite others in and make others feel welcome. Maybe this is how we are to live differently, pointing people back toward God. Maybe this is what it means to live on mission and to be of worship. Maybe this is what it means to be holy. It means hospitality. Because in so many ways, hospitality is a posture, it's an attitude, it's a way of life where we welcome and turn strangers into guests, into friends, into family. And by this, we all are changed. Because at the end of the day, this is what God has done for us. We were outsiders, and God brought us in, and then sent us out to show that same hospitality to others. I want to end with an extended quote from the book Saved by Faith and Hospitality. It says this, The God of the Christian Scriptures is a God of hospitality, a God who extends hospitality to His people and who requires that His people embody hospitality to others. Stated simply, God's hospitality to us is the basis of our hospitality to one another. God's relationship to His people is fundamentally an act of hospitality to strangers as God makes space for the other, for His people, by inviting humanity into relationship with Him. This experience of God's hospitality is at the very heart of the church's identity. We are God's guests and friends. And it is because of God's extension of hospitality and friendship to us that the church can offer hospitality to one another and to those seemingly outside the reach of our faith communities. Just as God extends welcome and hospitality towards His people, so also God's people extend hospitality to one another as we imitate God. We offer hospitality particularly to the other, the one who is not like us, the one who is outside. This does not mean that there are not challenges, limitations, and boundaries to our showing hospitality. There most certainly are. But it does mean that hospitality to strangers is an inexplicable component of the identity of the church and its vocation. It's our identity and it's our vocation to extend God's hospitality to the world, to even strangers. Let's pray. Lord God, you call us to be holy because you are holy. And we recognize that that's hard. It's hard because we want to belong. We don't want to be different. We don't want to feel like strangers because we don't want to be that vulnerable.
And yet, Lord God, you've also chosen us. We are your people. We are your church. And therefore, we also recognize that you have sent us out to be your church in your world, to be strangers here, to be different here such that people might worship you because of your goodness, because of your love. And so, Lord God, we ask that you would help us, change us, help us to welcome even the stranger. Help us become a people of hospitality, not just here in this church and and not even just at home in our houses and families, but that we would be a people who welcome the stranger into our lives. Lord, help us know how to do that. Change us. Help us be more like Jesus today and always. We pray all of these things in His strong name. Amen.